0: five stars for participation it's a covid operation i'll be here this way you station i lost my body by that time you already banged it she owned and dangerous that long hair got me tangled up you are my topanga stood your ground even when they aimed at us given through all of that pain none of it was in vain and i'm proud of who you
1: become Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Halts with me, Thick Teddy, Ant, and we have a very special guest today, Mitch Picks. How are you doing today, Mitch?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Ant, what's uh, what's up with that hand?
0: Oh, you want me to tell the story quick? So. Oh, yeah. I want to hear it. To, we're, we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, I had a baseball game,
1: and uh,
0: apparently I broke my thumb. I... Uh, was diving for a ball and I kind of like landed on my glove and like my My glove was on this hand and it was pinned against my body and just my hand started to swell up real bad And then I uh, I went to the emergency room and he said it was broken and dislocated So he had to fucking put my thumb back in Place and it was broken at the same time and it hurt so bad So apparently he gave me this thing until uh, I can get a cast sounds terrible Yeah, that was not fun
1: but is that just to keep the swelling down type of thing
0: i don't know there's like a metal thing here so like i can't move my thumb it's just like to keep yeah it's basically just to keep it in place until i can get like a real cast on it so yeah Yeah, that's that's how my day went
1: yeah rest in peace i had a wedding last night um yeah had had a few too many but it was a good time and then we had brunch this morning with the bride and groom and yeah so i'm back now though it was fun you're anything fun this weekend mitch
2: uh, not really, not really. I know, um, like you were saying, um, with the weddings, there's been a ton of weddings this weekend. It seems like, it seems like yeah. all my friends were at weddings, so I kind of just chilled, um, kind of just uh, relaxing for once, which is kind of nice. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, so. you're all around the place. We'll get into that later, but I know I've seen you on vacations to sweet, cool places recently. So yeah, weekend to yeah. relax isn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um. Sure. So yeah, we just wanna we wanna hop into some news here real quick first off we have the SESN knife i'm not sure if you saw that it was a bio where they had a pedufa pedufa however you prefer to say it and they got a complete response letter and i had a lot of questions of people who were at, in SESN, and they wanted to know if we think it's gonna kind of rebound because i think it dropped like 60 percent. and my opinion on that is it's not going to rebound it's the only drug in their pipeline and they still have like a 400 mil market cap at two dollars and uh, yeah, so I think that was that was kind of a knife right in their right in their heart, kind of as a company.
2: Yeah, and I think um, so. I was actually away from my computer at that time, so I came back and I saw everyone was talking about that. I was like, "What the fuck is going on with this?" I, I mean, I've seen some weird things happen, but midday is kind of fucked up that they came up with that. It was Especially, It was a Friday too, so I mean, that's that's some shit right there. Um, but. Um, I had watched SCSN a little bit. I didn't know anything about their drug pipeline or anything like that. Um, but um, I, I was not in it or anything like that. I know a lot of people were in it. And, um, I mean, that's one of those situations where, I mean, you live and you learn. And you kind of just have to take profits on the way up. And that's kind of what I try to do. Um, so, I'll, I mean, stocks like that, I mean, I'll scalp them. I don't like yeah. to swing those ones because there's a high risk of, especially biotech, a high risk of something like that happening or even an offering. So I mean, you never really, never really know. the high, the The higher it goes, the higher the risk is. Exactly. So, I mean,
0: I think it was yeah. uh, that was for like some. I think it was for bladder cancer or something. I think that's what their drug is for. But I'm looking at. The, I didn't realize it dropped from, it dropped from almost six bucks to, eighty cents, seventy cents. Yeah. I think it's going back to 80 cents. That's a big time, big time
1: drop. I know that uh, they like, they literally don't have anything else in their pipeline. I know that. And also like Mitch was saying, the fact that they, they dropped it on a Friday, I get that there's like some stuff you can't wait. Like if the FDA sends you something, you have to release it within a certain amount of time, but also that they did it midday on a Friday. Like that's not a company I like. I'll say that. Nope. Right. And then the next thing we got is wish earnings report, and wishes, is, Wish is a hot topic on Twitter right now. So I just kind of want to get you guys, I know they missed earnings and they dropped, I think like 20% immediately or within like an hour. But what do you guys think about that earnings report? Uh, does it make you feel more bullish, bearish for the short term? How are you feeling?
2: I think, uh, I think personally, I, um, I think long term, it's all right. I don't personally have the stock right now. Um, I'm not a huge fan of holding. I consider it a penny stock still because it's under, I mean, it's around the $10 before the earnings uh, hovered around the $10 mark. Um, so I don't like to hold any stock uh, around that mark or under uh, through earnings because a lot of times, even if there's good earnings, um, they'll have some weird thing happen where they drop it. Um, so for me, it's, it'll probably consolidate. There's a lot of people on it. They have good revenue. Um, so, I mean, maybe eventually. Um, it, but the thing is, I think um, you have to be really patient with it. It's a slow mover. Um, and if you can be patient and just throw some extra capital at it, um, it could be one, you could just put it in an IRA. And yeah. I mean, under $10, it's probably a decent price. It'll probably go pop back over 15, 20 at some point. Um, but for day traders, it's probably not the best stock to trade. Um, but long term, I could see it probably eventually at some point turning around. And there is some buyout rumors, too. Um, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about that. I've heard like Amazon and a couple other companies. Um, and if that's true, then, yeah, I could see 20, 20 plus dollars, but probably not for uh, at least over a year from now. Um, but it's probably a decent place to put some extra capital in if you um if yep. you have uh, extra capital on the sideline. It's a slow mover.
0: I uh, I have strong opinions on Wish, kind of, um, for a few reasons. If we're, first thing is we saw on the 11th, um, Wish didn't have a run-up. I think ER was on the 12th. You could see it was just downtrending all day. That's kind of a telltale sign that uh, ER might not be the best. Also, if we're looking at Amazon's earnings report, and we saw what happened with Amazon. There's another telltale sign, like, okay, if Amazon doesn't have a good earnings, uh, I highly doubt Wish is going to have a good earnings report. Um, another thing, too, is, which I hate seeing is it's obviously a very, very overcrowded stock. And, like, people giving people shit on Twitter about it. Like, you had your chance to make money um, a bunch of times here the last few months. I, I just hate putting blame on other—seeing people put blame on other people, like— You have to be able to manage your own risk and manage your position. If something, if you didn't take profit on something because you think it's going to 50 bucks, it's nobody's fault but your own. Not to be harsh, but I think, I think Wish is a perfect example of one, 90% of the time you shouldn't hold through earnings, and two, you need to be able to manage your own risk. So that's kind of how I feel about it.
1: I agree. I think, I think for me, Wish is a good long term investment. People are, um, treating it as the next Amazon which I disagree with but I think for now it's a good investment if you're looking for an IRA piece uh, just like Mitch said. but I think I think it's it's good. it's not great. this price is good though I like this price. Yeah. <clears throat> the last thing I have is the August markets. And we all kind of saw what people were saying going into the August market, saying it was going to be the worst month of the year. We're going to see a a spy knife, that kind of thing, a big pullback. We have not seen anything crazy like that. We've seen some volume declines, particularly in these small caps, also large caps. The volume has kind of relatively been small. But we've seen a little bit of that. And we've also seen some weights pulling down small caps. I can feel it. I can also feel it in the bio sector, some weight pulling down bio plays. But uh, Mitch, what are you you thinking about the August market and maybe the August into September market here?
2: Yeah, so August is, I mean, it's the same basically every year. And I mean, I don't think people really uh, manage their risk um, or even really, I mean, what you should do is you should write notes and really know what happens each month because it's very similar each month as to what happens, like, uh, for at least for... uh, I'm talking mostly, like, micro-cap stocks. So micro-caps, January is the best month for micro-caps, and then August is always the worst month. And most of it is because there's not a lot of volume. Everyone's going on vacation all month and doing whatever. So what I do is I... Barely trade any micro caps in August, and what I'll do is I'll completely change my strategy. And instead of swing trading uh, these uh, penny stocks, I'll swing trade options on large caps because August is still somewhat decent for the Nasdaq and the SPY. Uh, September and October is when uh, the large caps start taking a little bit of a hit, um, but August it still kind of holds up a little bit. So you're able to, especially right now, like the tech sector, tech sector is still really hot. So I have. For example, I have some Facebook calls for like uh, early September, um, but basically, um, uh, what my strategy right now is is to um, swing trade options on large caps, and then basically day trade scalp. I've been day tra- uh, Moderna's one, been one I've been uh, scalping a lot, and I I know a lot of people don't have the capital to be able to do that, so it might be, might not be the best strategy for everyone, um, but it's definitely a market for scalping and day trading and that's what makes it very difficult uh, for, for me who I like to swing trade a lot of stuff. So it it makes it, it's a different market. So a lot of times I'll just take off, uh, have a couple extra beers in the afternoon or something or whatever it might be. um, Instead of, uh, instead of say January, where I might trade 10 plus hours a day. So Mm -hmm. August is definitely a month just to relax and chill and be more cautious. Be, Be very cautious. You know, don't, Slap the ask, uh, maybe have a bid instead, and uh, do stuff like that. Do little things like that, and that I kind of um, Yes, yes. Play more defense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. I think people th- feel like they have to trade every day, and like that's just not the case, really. Um, you don't want to make two steps forward and two steps back because you're really not making any progress. Uh, I know I've been preaching like when I put my swing list out, uh, I'm taking profits super early. Like, I'll completely scale out of something. Like, I know I was playing NNDM this week, and it had, like, a nice dollar or so pop, and I just completely scaled out. Um, normally, I'd like to hold a swing for maybe a month or, or longer, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think um, August especially, maybe early September, you'd, you'd sometimes the best play to make is nothing at all. So, I think that comes with experience as well. Like, this podcast, this season of the podcast is for newer traders, and that's something I would write down, write down, like Mitch said, August is historically slow. You don't have to make a trade every day. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. I would say um, the biggest thing that I've been doing is simply just looking back, like, like sitting back and looking at my past trades and just kind of reflecting rather than, forcing myself to make new trades. So I've been, I've been Monday making a trade. And then Tuesday, if the time is off, I just go back and look at my Monday trades, see what see how they went, kind of annotate them on the chart, that kind of thing. Spending time learning and keeping sharp, but also not over trading yeah. because over trading, it's, it's one of those things in August, it'll kill you. In January, you'll be fine. In August, it'll kill you. So I, I've been sticking to large caps as well. I released my weekly watch list and I think Six out of the eight were large caps this week, because usually it's mostly small cap based because I like trading small caps. But um, yeah, large caps are the move for August, probably into September as well. Options, you can you can scalp the options for a little better percent or you can stick to the uh, the commons for a smaller percent. But yeah, if you have to take a full day off, take a full day off. If you're not seeing anything. Don't take anything and look at large caps. They usually follow trends a little bit better. Um, that's kind of my August roundup right there.
0: Yeah. One other thing quick too is like this past week uh, specifically has felt super slow. Like you're seeing things with no follow through. If you're seeing things, like if if you're looking at the first half of the day and you're seeing there's no follow through in anything you're looking at, take the day off. Like it, I, you want to see see strength. Um, and, and you can kind of tell that the first half of the day. So yeah, I think a good tip is you just don't have to trade every single day. Um, if you if you'll, you'll get that gut feeling like Teddy talks about, if it if it doesn't feel right, then don't make a trade. So, exactly. Oh, I gotta show you guys this quick. Um, I picked this this pumpkin beer up. Oh wow! I think they uh they're releasing all their fall stuff, and it's actually really good.
1: Is uh, it dogfish head or whatever?
0: Yeah, dude, they have the best artwork.
1: It's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Does uh, it taste like pumpkin?
0: Yeah, it actually does. It's kind of, you can kind of taste like mm, like cinnamon and stuff. Um, I know good. you picked up those Vizzies that I wanted. I think you're <laughs> yeah, drinking yeah. them right now.
1: Yeah, let me, Mitch, what are you drinking first? And then I'll, I got a little spiel to do.
2: All right, so so normally I would never drink this, but it was just what, what was in the fridge. Uh, and obviously I'm from, so I'm from Milwaukee. And you're going to, everyone from Milwaukee is going to hate this, but I'm not a huge Miller Lite fan. <laughs> but I have a Miller Light here. This is what was in the fridge. Usually be Bush Light, uh, Bush but is good. I, yeah, usually be Bush Light. But I don't, uh, I don't have that here. So I got that. Um, I got a couple others here too. I got this other one that uh, I thought was kind of interesting. It's a, it's a new Belgium uh, beer, Summer Bliss Tropical Wheat. And this that one's sounds really good. good. Yeah, this one's really good too. Um, so I got those and then, and then I got a high noon. So it's really random stuff in my, wow, that's
1: a combination. <laughs> what flavor <laughs> high noon are we
2: talking? <laughs> What's that? What flavor
1: high noon are we talking?
2: Um, we got, we got the pineapple kicking right here. So
1: that's a, that's a fan favorite. Everyone likes the pineapple. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: Did you call yourself a beer guy?
2: Um, I would say I'm a, I'm a good mix of, um, uh, everything. So. It really depends on where I'm at. So right now, I'm in Milwaukee, uh, and I've been here since the, the Bucks 1 and 6, so go Bucks! Um, Bucks and 6, yeah, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. And so I'll drink more beer when I'm up here because there's a lot more breweries and all that stuff. Uh, and then I've also got a place down in Miami that some of you guys know about. And when I'm down there, it'll be mostly tequila. Uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, so I'll do a lot of tequila down there uh if i'm going out and about um i uh i'll i'll do vodka mixed drinks so like the vodka rebels, the vodka tonics all that fun stuff um but those are usually my go-to options right there yeah Yeah,
1: well i mean all those sound good man i like high noons high noons are my thing but uh i'm a seltzer kind of guy i like the seltzers call me a, a female if you'd like but I like the seltzers just because I mean they're a little bit they're a little bit lighter and I also had really bad experiences with tequila when I was younger. But yeah. <laughs> all right, so I got these four Vizzi's, and they're the new one. They're like these watermelon. And I know Ant had a boner over them when I'm I sent so the dude. Watermelon, they're hard seltzers, it's like their new kind. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna try all four of them. I'm gonna try a sip of each and I'll give you guys kind of my thought on
0: them. So are super underrated, I think.
1: Yeah, I think they're pretty nobody good. Nobody ever too,
0: talking about Vizzy, but they're very good.
1: Truly are better, but Vizzy's pretty good. So I'm gonna start with this passion fruit one. Um, yeah, passion fruit watermelon. We're just, just shocking
0: eat. all four of them, I think. Yeah, should I chug them all?
1: Okay. Four out of 10, pretty good, but not great. This one is kiwi, Dude, and I don't like mango. kiwi. Yeah, I'm waiting for that mango. The kiwi, I'm probably gonna be biased on. I'm not a kiwi guy. <laughs>
2: Ugh. Two. <laughs> Damn. That dude, that, that, one, tasted, okay. that one tasted
1: like the green giant piss. Holy Two moly. out of 10, dude. Two out of 10, for sure. All right, blueberry. I'm, I'm a little more optimistic about blueberry. Blueberry watermelon sounds good. Mm. Six. Nice. Better than average. And then we got mango, which, if you know me, I. Kind of have a love love affair with mango, so we'll see. Seven, they're not better than Truly. I'll say that, Amp.
0: What true? What Truly though? Like what Truly are you? Um, there's a like ten the different. The
1: berry pack. pack is amazing. Yeah, the berries the best. And the lemonades, <laughs> those are see, the two that I The I'm lemonades,
0: liked. the problem is like I can only drink a couple because they're kind of sweet. You know what I mean.
1: I can smash the hell out of those The fruit punch i can't drink though but high noons are 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 the top and we talk about it every single week i haven't found someone who doesn't like high noons yet listen high noon if you want to sponsor us yeah high noon where you at okay so we kind of want to get into what we've been trading really quickly here before we get into the meat of the stock talk so Mitch, what have you been trading the past few weeks to the past month? I'd say like, what have you been swinging? What have you been day trading? Any certain sectors, any certain, um, trades that stick out to you?
2: So I think I kind of, uh, went over it a little bit earlier, but, uh, my strategy and it usually starts in July. Um, but I mean, the last two years have been kind of weird because of COVID July has actually been more of a hotter month, but usually it's more like August, uh, historically. So usually I try to keep the game plan for from basically July to like mid September, the same, which is like uh slow and steady, uh, with the micro caps and then pound the, um, uh, large caps a little bit more for swings. So that's basically what I've been doing is the, uh, uh, the option trades for, uh, um, large caps and then every once in a great while I'll get an OTC stock that I think is kind of interesting that I'll play, but, I don't think I've really traded any this year yet. It's been mostly, I've been basically just focusing on large caps. Um, and that goes same with the day trades. I mean, there'll be one every once in a there'll be a micro cap every once in a great while. But I would say uh, 80, 90% of what I trade right now is large caps. And swing trades, I'd say 95% are large caps, like the option large caps. So I'm really not even looking at micro caps until probably. Uh, mid to late September when things kind of start coming back a little bit. Um, so, I mean, Sweet. like I was saying, one of the big ones I've been trading is Moderna. So uh, got that. Um, and obviously all the vaccine plays have been kind of hot. Uh, the mask plays, uh, that's coming back a little bit. So um, I've been swinging APT, um, which is uh, usually usually the top, uh, one of the best uh, mask plays. So, I'll do that, and then um, there's a few others that I'll trade here and there um, for vaccine mask plays, but I, I try not to marry them, and that's good, especially in an August market. Um, and other than that, I mean, I'm basically just trading the large caps that have some sort of volume coming in that there's a lot of uh, a lot of hype on, because otherwise you're going to get stuck in them, and just like a micro cap, um, and you'll have to hold them forever. Um, yeah. So. Um, that's you, basically man? that's basically my strategy. Thanks, Mitch.
0: <clears throat> this this might be off topic, but before I get into what I've trading what I've been trading um, Lots to me right now looks extremely good. Lots looks exactly like wish was before it had a nice little run um,
1: Let me look. At so lots. I've
0: been looking at lots. I know you put me on lots a few months ago
1: I um, think the DD is still intact and like with lots.
0: how hot the used car market is I just can't believe the price. I think we're under four bucks, but it literally yeah, looks—it looks identical to how Wish did. Just a complete downtrend before, we had a nice pop. Um,
1: I mean, man, just looking at it right now, it has a 444 million market cap, and let's just check out their last earnings report. Their last earnings report, they had 56 million, so they're going to be hitting right around 220 to 230 million. So that means they're trading two times. Their revenue, and I mean, if you go to Carvana, let me just go there really quickly. Um, Carvana is their market cap is sixty-two billion, and their last earnings they had three billion, so that means that they're sitting right around twelve billion. So they're four times, five times, yeah, right around five times their revenue. Granted, they're a better company, but it just shows you that that lots is undervalued. Yeah,
0: I think that's something to look out for. Keep it on your wrist. I need a
1: round of applause for my math right there, man. I never felt so on the spot with math. I haven't (laughs) thought about math so fucking long. Yeah, that's impressive. (laughs) Proud of myself.
0: Besides that, I've been trading. I traded FSR this week um, off that crazy price target, which was ridiculous. Um, HPI scalped a bunch. I uh, had a short swing on NNDM. I played Sofi run up to earnings, and then that pulled a wish on earnings. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I don't know. I've been, I- I've really been ninety percent scalps for a while now, for maybe the last month. Um, I'll swing one or two things. I played Clove, but I'm not holding things for long. I'll take my profit where I can and then get out. I'd rather be a uh, I'd rather be ninety to one hundred percent cash than be stuck holding five six swings. So,
1: um, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, I've been trading. I traded clove last week. Uh, I sold it. Um, I traded APT just like Mitch. Um, on those AHPI would run up thirty percent pre market, and then I would snag APT when it was at zero percent or something like that, and it'd get a five or ten percent. Pop out of it, and then I also traded. I shorted Moderna when it was at like 450 because I saw like a, a head and shoulders on the 30-minute. something like that. that. Yeah, I think on the last podcast we did. With Moose, yeah, yeah. And I think this week I'm looking forward to. I want to get some J and J Johnson and Johnson because Moderna's had a huge run, Pfizer's in a huge run, and I think J J and J is gonna break out pretty heavy here. It's like breaking out of a a wedge kind of formation and it also it feels like it's it's gonna follow Pfizer and Moderna and I don't see why it wouldn't and I also want to short SESN. I think that's that's a prime short from the complete response letter because they don't have anything in their pipeline now and I mean that's that's a year or two out from any sort of um makeup with the FDA yeah
2: yeah
0: I think the I think that's yeah we talked about Moderna with Moose and what did it drop, a hundred some points, a hundred plus points. Yeah,
1: we talked about how it's been such a good trading vehicle too. Just just up and down, up down, up down, day yeah. to day. Yeah, it was it was like if you look at
0: overextended, that would be the prime candidate for overextended. Um, yep. All right, Mitch, I have a couple questions for you. I like to ask uh, all the guests similar questions. Um, the first question I have is like. How did you get into trading? What's kind of like your origin story? Did you have like a mentor, or, or how exactly did you get into this?
2: So I, um, so I started trading. Well, um, let me uh, let me think about this. So, so I started uh, getting interested in trading. Uh, I would say around uh, 2008 during the market crisis, the market crash, um, and so I was I was still in. Middle school or high school, and I was just noticing uh, my parents, and I could see how they were reacting to uh, everything, and they didn't really know anything about stocks or anything like that. So my 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 uh, that was kind of my motivation. My motivation was to be the one that knows about stocks, can that can help them, that can help the family to basically um, have it so that if there is another crash, we're confident that they have their retirement, we have our retirement, whatever it might be. And, um, and that, um, everything's, uh, all good. And so that was a while ago. Um, that was yeah, like 12, 13 years ago or something like that. Um, and it took me probably six, seven plus years to actually be profitable after that. Um, and. It's, it's partly the maturity cause I was, uh, early twenties, you know, uh, and I'm late twenties now, um, uh, patience, patience is probably one of the big things. Um, and I'm sure a few other things, but I'd say patience is probably the number one, um, thing that any of these guys that are new should really, uh, focus on to, um, uh, uh, become a better trader, but, um, yeah, I didn't really have any mentors. And, uh, when I started making money is really when I started, um, trying to find a mentor, learn from mentors and all of that. And, um, I would say, um, I don't have a specific mentor. I think it was really just a mix of a bunch of people from the discords and the Twitters and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of made me realize that I need to have my own strategy, um, to be successful. And that's kind of how, um, everything, uh, that, um, uh, you, you eventually learn as a day trader, but, um, I kind of, in a way, kind of knew some of that stuff that kind of like the, um, uh, I don't know the stuff that people don't really, uh, uh, know about just because it's like a weird accounting language that and taxes help a lot too uh, yeah. with that. But anyways, yeah, I went to that and then I had an accounting job for a while and then I uh, eventually I quit that to do this full time because I was making way more trading than accounting. And accounting, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty tedious. It's doing the same thing all the time. So I mean, you can only do that so long. You got to be like a special kind of person to do that. So. Yeah, um, I did. I did get out of that and be able to be actually doing whatever I want to do.
1: I uh, think uh, go ahead. David. Not not to cut you off, but I think we ought to we ought to have Mitch on again for that 10Q and all those those balance sheets filing, because next season we're going to dive deeper into some stuff. Um And we do want to have like a full episode based on just filing. So we might have to call you up then and see if you're you're willing to talk about that, because. Can't think of a better guy than a, a previous accountant to talk about. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and
2: taxes. End yeah, taxes, exactly. Uh, we would love like to we'd love yeah. to hear
1: your thoughts on that when we get into the. Because aren't we doing like intermediate trader next season, Ant? Yeah, I We think we're
0: going to split the seasons up like this is beginner trader, so we don't want to get in, into too complex <clears throat> things here. Um, reading filings is is difficult for everyone, so that will that'll probably be next season.
1: That'll be awesome, though. Um. i'm excited getting those little shit
0: something to touch on that mitch said quick before i ask another question is he said it took him what around six to seven years to be profitable like whoever whoever's listening listening to this you need to you need to comprehend what he's saying six to seven years to be profitable you're not going to be profitable in the first three to four months a year like this is this takes time I, i know we say it all the time but like don't quit your job after four months because you think you're going to trade full-time, and then you're playing with money you can't afford to lose. And then, I mean, grind your ass off, work a job, trade. When you think you can do it full-time after a year or two, go for it. But it, this this isn't what Twitter makes it out to be. This takes time and years and years to become profitable. So I think that's yeah. a, that's a great thing. I don't know, Teddy, if you want to add anything to that. but
1: I mean, yeah, I traded for two and a half years while working in a warehouse before I was even able to think about quitting my warehouse job. Yeah. And then when I quit my warehouse job, things were still tight for a little while. Cause I'm just a tight ass when it comes to taking money out of my account. So things were tight a little bit after that. And then like, I don't know how long six months after that things finally took off, but it took a long time. It took, it took years of actually like paper trading for a while and then jumping into the real market and then losing money and then losing more money and then hitting the even point two years in and thinking like it's taken me two years like if i'm only going to gain this much every year why would i keep going and blah 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 all those thoughts swirl and then you get profitable and then it's exponential things you're you're learning just grows and you exponentially grow as a trader yeah, like
0: if you're playing with rent money trying to double your rent money so you can pay rent for next month, it's, this you, this is not for you. You have to like work your ass off to fund your trading. When when you have experience and you get good at it, then then try to do this as a career, but uh, I don't know. I, I say it all the time. Don't you it takes time and years and years to become profitable. So, I don't know. I think that's a really important thing that Mitch mentioned. It took him a while, but look how successful he is now. Like I don't it, this takes time. Um, Mitch, was there like a specific turning point that you can remember where you're like, Oh damn, like I can actually do this full time. Like, do you remember anything specific?
2: I think, um, I think it's not like a number or anything like that. I think it's a mindset thing. And I think once you get to the uh, point where your mindset is at a certain spot, so basically you have the confidence to the confidence that what you're doing is uh, the right thing. And then um, your buys and sells are um, the right deal, um, then I think that's really when things start to turn. Um, And that right there, um, the uh, psychological aspect of everything is really the hardest part, I think, because everyone learns the charting and uh, indicators and all that fun stuff and the fundamentals, but you don't really learn about the uh, psychological stuff until you actually uh really get really really serious and tell yourself that you really want to do this and you tell yourself and then you're like why why am I not being profitable and a lot of times it's because their uh, their mindset so if you have the right mindset uh, basically doing the same thing every day that works uh, having the right uh, keep uh, uh, sticking with the right setups that work for you and that setup might not work for you your best friend so it might be completely different um and trying to not do as many setups that uh you're not good at trading so i really went down my big thing was i would export all my trades every single day and i would go back and be like okay i bought it at this time uh how how was i feeling uh why did i buy it here and then what did i sell it at um how much profit or loss did i make And you really write notes and then uh, after a while you get to the point where you have a bunch of data and you're like, okay, this setup is really good. So I'm going to stick with this setup and this setup is really bad. So I'm going to try to not do that. Eventually it takes a really long time, but eventually you get to the point where um, you're only doing the setups that you want to do. There's times that I still do setups that are shit for me, but it's a lot less than say two or three years ago, so it's all about just improving your trading and uh, holding yourself accountable because you're the only one that uh, matters. It doesn't matter what you post on Twitter. It's really what what you make or what you lose that matters, and that's that's what uh, these traders should really understand. It's not about um, showing that you made enough to make a to buy a Lambo in the day. It's all about what uh, what your level is and what you can do to grow yourself every single day
0: yeah I think too exactly it's important like should you should set goals for yourself break it down to oh I want to hit a thousand bucks profit uh, I want to build my account to a thousand bucks I want I want to set goals at five grand ten grand 25 like hitting like mapping out your goals and and achieving small goals snowballs into bigger things you shouldn't start out and be like oh I want to hit 25k right away it just you start small like people there's people that are trading and like 10 kit like 10 grand is nothing to them it's all perspective you gotta you gotta set smaller goals to see the bigger picture Um, yeah I I got I got
1: something to say on that too to add to what you said is reward yourself at those milestones as well that's something that people really don't realize the power of what is it? It's positive reinforcement. The power of positive reinforcement is not only when you're raising children or if you're a teacher in a psychology class, Um, you can do it for yourself. So if you have a $100 account and you want to get it to $200, say if I get it to $200, I'm going to do something small. I'm going to go buy myself like some dessert that I don't eat very often. That is going to tell myself, wow, I got there. And then if I get to $500, I'm going to take 50 of that out and buy something something crazy that I've wanted for 50 bucks. Um, and also on the larger scale, like I bought a nice watch when I hit a certain milestone. Um, then I got to upgrade my apartment at the next milestone. And then my next milestone is I want to buy a new car. Like all these things are just milestones that I'm making myself reach before I, I get to buy what I want. So buy what you want. <laughs> when you hit these milestones and I feel like it helps me feel motivated on certain days where I'm not feeling motivated. It helps me kind of remember why I'm doing things and also just makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, okay, I did this for a reason. I have something to show for it and I rewarded myself and rewarding yourself is incredibly important when this is your career.
0: Yeah, I think that's super important. Like write it down on sticky notes. So you see at your setup every single day, like I said, this is a grind and it takes time And, and Mitch talked about it. This isn't just, it doesn't just happen overnight. So, um, the other, the last question I had is Mitch, like, is there a specific thing you would tell yourself as like a newer trader or like a tip for beginner traders that you think is like super important?
2: I think, um, it's really hard to learn. Um, and kind of, I, I think, uh, I think like, kind of like what I was saying earlier, I think the psychological thing is the biggest, one of the biggest things. Um, but as a new trader, like if you're just starting out, obviously you got to learn the indicators. You got to learn um, the charting and the fundamentals, all that fun stuff. And after you know the basics of that, I would really start to learn more of the psychological stuff like uh, ooh, a double top. Like why is it a double top is because... Um, oh, there's so many shorts on it, so many longs on it, double bottom, same thing. And if it's like, if it breaks out and it's this stock, it'll do this. And every stock has its own personality. Uh, They have their own market makers. So they're all completely different. They're humans, just like us. So um, a stock's basically, it it runs the exact same as that. So, I mean, if we're having a bad day and that, that market maker might be having a bad day too. So it might not act the same as if it's having like a good day or something like that. But for the most part, uh, it's that same market maker every single day on that same stock. So um, really knowing like what other people are thinking and like the psychological part of that, I think is one of the biggest things that I, I never really see on Twitter that I think I should probably write up something on Twitter about that. Cause I think it's really, really important to know What people are thinking about a stock because otherwise, for example, the 200 SMA on the daily chart, which is widely used all the time, it means nothing. It's just a random line, but people use it all the time because everyone uses it or like VWAP or something like that. Um, So like little things like that, I think are really important to um, to grasp, Um, especially as a new trader starting to learn that um, as you get more and more experience, I think is really, really important to do.
1: Yeah. I want to, uh, expand on that for, for a quick second here. Something, just an example I can kind of throw out is say you're day trading a stock and it has a high of $5 on the day. It's up a 20%, 30%. Some news came out, blah, 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 whatever you want to frame it as it's high of day is $5 and say it gets stuffed at 495 on the push. What you got to be thinking about is what people are are thinking and why it got stuffed. It probably got stuffed because people are thinking it probably is not worth more than $5. And the news was good, but it wasn't great enough for it to, they, they think that's high. All you need to know is they think that that's a high price for that stock at the moment. And so it got stuffed by enough sellers. The same thing can be said kind of for a double bottom. A double bottom could be on a daily chart. And you can kind of attribute that to people thinking the stock is getting cheap and more buyers coming in rather than sellers. And so the stock is cheap, bam, it bounces. The stock comes back down, it's cheap again, it bounces. So you can kind of frame things a little bit differently in your mind if you're, you're a newer trader, rather than just saying, I see the chart look as a double bottom. There are two bounces there. You can say, okay, so it was people thought it was cheap at that $5 range, whatever range it is where it double bottomed out. And then people thought it was too expensive when it was running towards $5. So those are levels that I can remember. Uh, if I'm day trading something, that's a, that $5 level is something I can remember. It got stuffed there twice. It might get stuffed there again because majority of the population thinks it doesn't belong above $5. And for that double bottom, majority of the population doesn't think it belongs below that, whatever that bottom is. So that's just a beginner kind of psychology, um, psychological side of what things do and why they do it. But there's a ton of them. There are absolute crap ton. You can certain candle formations or certain um, emotions on stocks. If people are mixed, they'll be you can read about this and see stuff on YouTube about it. Where certain candle formations on a five minute shows mixed emotions from traders on it. And some of them show. Overbought emotions from traders, but we can get into that again later. But yeah, that's just one example or two examples of the psychology that Mitch is talking about, which I think is greatly important too. And I would love to put some stuff out on Twitter about it too.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I actually put a lesson out last week about like market psychology and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, it's super important and not enough people talk about it and it can like make or break your trading. So, yeah. I think that's super important,
1: Mitch. I got I got two questions for you before we hop into the the uh, stock talk big section. First one is, what are your go to pizzas like? What what if you're ordering pizza?
2: So I'm I'm a pretty uh, plain eater in general, and I'll, uh, I'll 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 tend to stick with the normal like pepperoni or whatever something very plain like that sometimes like a, a
1: classic that's a classic
2: yeah yeah you can't you can't you can't beat that i mean uh i mean every once in a while i'll put some other stuff on some peppers or whatever it might be but i tend to st- I'm, I'm a pretty plain guy and i try to stick with what i like and pepperoni is usually the the go-to uh for I, me at least
1: i can respect that and what are we thinking What, what kind of pizza you like wait hold on a minute you posted the
0: other day some pizza with, like, eggs on it, didn't you? Shut Daddy. up. Dude. <laughs> no. That is.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. Breakfast pizza. That is pizza.
0: disgusting.
1: Dude, you don't. Okay. Breakfast pizza. We've talked about this. I think we get into an argument on this, like, every single podcast. Breakfast pizza is divine. It came down from the heavens, and especially from the gas station I get it at.
0: Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. What? Like, what? Breakfast pizza is what? Like, it's regular pizza it's, okay, so it's, with sauce? so it's
1: like. Okay, so it's like cheese sauce, so it's like cheesy gravy sauce on it, and then they put eggs, sausage, and you can get, like, peppers or mushrooms on it if you want, and then cheese. Dude, that... <laughs> it's a trashy Iowa thing, but it's amazing. It sounds
0: like you should go to jail to, like, just think about, like, ordering <laughs> that. Like, what a horrible thing to order, and you know, on pizza.
1: I'm bringing it to you. I am told you. My, I'm gonna...
0: my thing with pizzas. uh I have a lot of good pizza places by me. I'm an Eastern... Pennsylvania um so there's like a lot of Italians uh you got to get it well done and you got to get extra sauce I don't really like I don't like like I like pepperoni and stuff but I don't ever get that there's a there's a place by me that does they have a really good like homemade sauce but you got to get it well done because it's got to be crispy mm-hmm. like that's my thing well done extra sauce that's what I like
1: crispy's good crispy is yeah. good I like I like thin crust more than I like deep dish crust or anything but yeah I don't know if I have the, the ability to speak on pizza because I get so much crap about it on Twitter. Um, but I had, what did I have last, last week? I think I posted this one too. It was from, I literally went to the best pizza place. It's made from some Italian dude. I, mean, I went to the, be- the best pizza place and I still got gas station question mark on like 20 comments <laughs> beneath it, but it was, it was Alfredo sauce. And then I think like steak and mushrooms. And it was apparently his specialty pretty good but last night at the wedding when i was feeling myself i think they had like i don't remember what they were like tom collins or something was their drink of the night i had a few too many of those and they brought over pizza with only jalapenos and cheese on it and i thought it was sausage and then my mouth started to hurt midway through and they got extra jalapenos so it wasn't just jalapenos they got jalapenos plus extra jalapenos and it was good, but it was not what I was expecting and it was a quite a shift in my night and then my stomach hurt for like four hours. But there's a but
0: <laughs> there's a pizza place by me that actually does it's so weird. They do American cheese. So sauce American cheese. It sounds gross, but it's actually American pretty good. American cheese? Like yeah. the
1: like the craft slices.
0: No like no, it's like uh it's like I think they make their own homemade American cheese or whatever. But uh it's American actually, cheese is good though. It's actually good. It's so weird though, because that's like the most uncommon thing to use. But
1: all I can imagine is like a Velveeta block on top of pizza sauce right now. True. It's <laughs> got in my mind. True. All right, Mitch. So this is the part that our viewers skip forward to the stock talk. So the first thing I kind of want to get into is your overall swing trading strategy. So you're a swing trader at Hearts and you have criteria and you have favorite setups that you have. So just kind of throw those out here. What's the criteria you look for? If you see a stock, what are you jumping to? Do you have certain stock um, chart indicators? Do you have certain just fundamental indicators that you look at? What kind of trips you on a stock and tell or lets you say, yes, I like it, or no, I don't like it?
2: So I have um, a decent amount of parameters that I use. Uh, wh- one of them basically being uh, uh, what time of the year it is uh, kind of like what we were talking about earlier january versus august um it might be the exact same setup but i might not take it because i'm way more aggressive in uh, january versus august so that's one thing right there um another one is uh catalyst so if they have uh, any sort of catalyst coming out um i might um even if it's not and maybe maybe it's an a setup versus an a plus setup but it's a good catalyst. Um, I might take that over the A-plus setup that does not have a catalyst. Um, so that's, uh, and that's mostly for like biotechs, I would say. So that's probably more in like the early part of the year. That's when a lot of the biotechs uh, do their thing. Um, but on, I always, so my charts that I look at, I have a one minute and a daily chart. That's basically all I use. And every once in a while, If there's a high a day on the one minute, I'll go to 5, 15, uh, 30 minute um, and all that. But I really uh, focus on the daily and the one minute chart. On the daily chart, I have, uh, as a lot of uh, my followers know, from uh, um, my uh, charts that I post, I'll use the 20, the 50, and the 200 SMA. And that's basically all I use. And what I've found with uh, a lot of these uh, micro cap stocks, these penny stocks, is um, that right when they're I, so one setup I like is right when it's around the 20 SMA and uh, the stocks basically uh, at that point, most of these penny stocks are around their 52 week low. And a lot of times right when they close a couple days above the 20 SMA, start curling, doing all that fun stuff, they'll start popping out of nowhere. And, the, and that's the nice part about these penny stocks is they don't necessarily need a catalyst. So sometimes they'll just pop out of nowhere. But what I really like is if it's a, uh, we call them sympathy plays. So, uh, one that I used to love was when Bitcoin ran, uh, Mara would go. And obviously Mara's not a penny stock anymore, but back in the day it was like 30, 40 cents. So I used to slap a bunch of that and then five minutes later, boom, it would go. And, um, so that's another, that's more of a, a day trading strategy, I guess you could say, but for swing trades, um, The 20 SMA is a really good spot for what I've noticed for a lot of these companies like to put some sort of PR out around them. And obviously you got to watch if they have earnings and offering uh, offerings and all that fun stuff too, but a lot of times around those levels is. um, uh, A really good spot to start adding for a swing, but the other thing is you got to watch what stock it is because. After a while, you know the personality of that stock. And if it's one that is unfavorable for your uh, strategy, for example, one that I will never trade and you'll probably never see me tweet about, INPX. I hate that stock. I've never (laughs) made money on it. I probably never will, never trade it again. So that that one right there, it might be uh, on the 20 SMA and it might not do anything. It might have an offering or something like that, but it fucks me every time I trade that one. Um, I hear you, RMO for me. Yeah, but other ones, and I can't really think of any offhand, but really just um, the, the, the right ones, if you have the right ones and they're at that right level, that, those are the ones that will really get my attention more because there's millions of stocks out there, including OTC. So if you stick with the ones that you, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, tracking your trades and knowing um, what you did right and what you did wrong. Another thing you can do is what you did right, also mark down what ticker it was so that you know for future reference, it was this setup with this ticker um, and you'll begin to trade that ticker more uh, if you do your uh, studying and research. And then that's kind of how I found out that I never make money with INPX. Otherwise I would have never known um, uh, um, just uh, just from studying and uh, writing down everything that uh comes to me in that day so i think the 20 sma is one thing and then another one which is more common i think is the the flags and the pennants and all that and what i've noticed with these penny stocks is around the 50 sma is a really good spot for those and if they've been running for a little bit uh sometimes the 20 sma will come up to the that point as well but a lot of times it's close to the 50 sma if not even the 200 sma but with these penny stocks, most of the time you'll be trading them. Uh, you'll look at their charts. Um, 95% of them will be near their 52-week low. So you're going to see the 20 SMA come down first, just because it's a lot faster mover than, say, the 250 and the 50. So you'll see that. And then from there, you can really use the 20 SMA as a buy. And then I tend to use the 50 SMA to start selling and uh, see if it continues to go. If it's January. I might sell 10 20 percent if it's august i might sell 100 percent. so it really just depends on uh the time of the year and really what kind of market we are in and what stock it is and um and where it's at on the chart so i mean there's a few different factors that i use to um uh and those are basically the only two that i'll i'll look at um that's golden yeah, I don't really like the the knife catches or um, the ones that the ones that are ripping. Like for example, I, I was saying I was uh, trading Moderna this week. That's one that's been going up like crazy, and that's one I would never swing trade. I I'd be too it'd be too risky for for my strategy. So um, what I do with those is those are the ones I would scalp or day trade, and those are usually the really good ones for scalping and day trade when they're at their 52 week high, um, and um, there's a lot of volume on them and, um, some people will swing them, but I, those for me are too high of a risk, um, even if it's a large cap. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, uh, basically my, uh, that's basically my strategy. I keep try to keep it really simple and you got to keep yeah. it really simple on yourself. A lot of these guys, and I know when I started, I had like a million indicators on my charts and that's, that's not helpful for anyone. Uh. You want to make it simple for yourself and so i use the 20 the 50 the 200 and then i have um volume is a really big deal um and then i have rsi and then uh obviously the macd so i keep the basically the simple ones that everyone uses and it goes back to the psychological thing that i was talking about too so it's all really it's a it's a mental game it's really uh really what it is
1: i got a few things to say about that too i i think from all of the kind of stock talk we've had, I think you just might've put out the best segment that we've ever had on this, this show. Cause that 20 to SMA or 20 SMA to 50 SMA rings an absolute bell. Cause that's something that I do all the time. I, I trade when it curls near the 20 SMA. And then if it gets near the 50 SMA, I sell it because it's one of those things where the momentum catches up, the momentum turns it. And then the 20 SMA will reverse. And, uh, start moving, it, hiking its way back up towards the 50. And then when the stock gets near the 50, you kind of sell because 50 is something that people people tend to watch a lot. But what you said there about the the psycho, or psychology, psychological parts of the, all those indicators, that's why they're the strongest. Everyone needs to, to kind of realize that's why they're the strongest is because everyone uses them. So it's kind of like the whole gang gets their back behind. If something's having a perfect setup with the MACD finally curling to green, and the, the 20 SMA is is about to cross the 50 SMA type of thing, um, which is which is bullish as well, if people didn't know, then the whole gang is gonna get their back behind that. And by the whole gang, I mean retail and people who are looking on their charts, even probably some some institutional people who are looking to buy on perfect setups. We're all gonna get onto that because everyone uses those indicators. So that's why they're so strong is because so many eyes are on them and so many people are using them to make their trades. But I think that's that 20 SMA setup is is probably the most simple easy way for for our beginners to to look at something they can look at that 20 sma and then if it's near the 20 sma like you said there's there's a curl that happens and that curl is what you need to be buying on that curl is the the buy target if it's above if it gets above and it has to go above to curl that's perfect if it's below and then it curls and then it makes its way up to it that's a perfect buy point so uh, I, I think that that's that's a great point and a great strategy that you just pointed out. One thing I'll add to that strategy is, like I said earlier, the 20 SMA crossing the 50 SMA is also another another time where um, things can rip for a few days. So that's one of those moments where it's, it's a momentum play where it's likely to just have momentum carry over for a few more, a few more days. So when that 20 SMA, reaches its way to the 50. And this is also something you can track with the, like he was saying, where you can track if the setup ends up working. I have a like a number of stocks, a list that that tells me which stocks this is followed through on and which ones it hasn't so that I can know, okay, if I see that 20 SMA crossing the 50 SMA, I know it's not gonna work. So I need to halt or push the brakes here. Um, but some of them, it does work every single time. And some of them, I have not had any any pushback or any type. Some of them, they run like 20% after that. So the 20 SMA crossing above the 50 SMA, if you can get increasing volume along with that, that's perfect. But that's one of those things where it's probably going to have three or four green candles on the daily after that happens. Um, so that's just something I'll add on to there. But that was that was a great segment. And I think if you guys watch that segment two or three times and take notes on what Mitch said, you're going to find some of the best info you you found on, on probably – YouTube or wherever you're listening to this, that was absolutely, absolutely great. And another thing um, was him telling you to list out what the the tickers have done that you've traded. That's something that is absolutely crucial as well. Um, I know that certain stocks like, um, I don't know, I don't have an example off the top of my head. If I were to flip through my notebook, I would, but I know certain stocks knife near new high of day very, very often like AHPI, when it has a as has a high of day and then it bounces down and then it's making another run towards that, it likes to just drop. It likes to just knife. Um, that's that's something that I noticed probably two weeks ago when it was moving and then I, I implemented that on a short three times this week. And then also as well, um, there's other stocks like large caps will act certain ways. Pen when it reverses, it reverses um tesla if it has a dip it gets bought up most times there's there's just things that you there's setups that work certain setups like a 50 sma crossing a 200 sma a golden cross is what that's called might work on certain stocks and then some stocks that might not work at all and you have to list those down like mitch said that is that is something that's crucial that we haven't talked about on this yet is listing what setups work on certain stocks because the market makers are the same Most likely. And they're probably going to do the same exact thing when the when the chart gets near a certain point or when the company is at a certain time a year. Just like he said, January, some stocks, their market makers push them because they know they have um, an offering that needs to get pushed out by by March or something like that. Or they push them because they know that they they want the stock to be up because insiders are going to be selling soon, that kind of thing, whatever it is. They act the same. So write it down and you know, the 20 SMA on this one crossing over the 50 it's worked three times in a row. It's probably going to work a fourth time in a row, or it didn't work three times in a row. So I can short it here or whatever you're going to use it for. That's, that's some golden knowledge right there. You got anything, Ant?
0: No, I think you guys touched on, uh, touched on that perfectly. Um, like Teddy said, like take notes, rewatch this a few times, uh, mitch's strategy might not work for you but but try it out um but yeah you you gotta watch this multiple times take notes of what he's doing and try it out you don't even have to play the stocks watch a couple things watch a couple stocks um and see if they play out and then you this is that's something you can implement into your own strategy so i think those are all great points that uh that mitch and teddy both brought up
1: yeah yeah i think um I think we're gonna Ant's gonna hop us into bullish versus bullshit now. One of my favorite segments.
0: Yeah. So we have a uh, we have a super popular one to talk about. Um,
1: Mitch, do
0: you have any thoughts on Dogecoin bullish or bullshit on that?
2: So I actually rebought some Dogecoin um, a week or two ago, and long term I cannot really tell you, but what I know is um, people like uh, even Mark Cuban now like obviously Elon Musk Mark Cuban uh, other celebrities are in it and I mean it's kind of like like a, like a, a, a furu kind of getting to something where they can actually run the stock uh, run the, the coin uh, quite a bit. So for me I mean every I mean in crypto is different than stocks obviously. But every 15, 20 percent, something like that, I'll scale a little bit out. And then on dips, I'll, I'll always have a little tiny Dogecoin position position just in case something weird happens like last time where Elon goes on SNL or whatever it might be. So overall, I would say I'm bullish on it. Uh, the actual coin itself, I don't really have an opinion on. Um, uh, but I mean, it's I, I would say overall, I think it, I'm bullish on it. Um, just because I mean it's Dogecoin and there's so many people in it, it is heavy, kind of like some of these uh, stocks. But I think coins are a little bit different, where they can be quote unquote pumped a little bit easier. So I think um, uh, Dogecoin has that going for them. Um, so I think I do think it might go back to 40, 50 plus cents. I don't know about 75 cents again, but um, I did buy some at like 19, 20 cents, um, like two weeks ago or something like that. Um, and I have already scaled a little bit at like it was like twenty seven or twenty eight cents. I scaled a little bit, but I still have some just in case it continues to go up. It's kind of just like something fun to uh, mess around with and play with.
1: Yeah, I think I hundred percent agree. I think long term, I you could I couldn't answer more than half a question about Dodge or Doge. I couldn't answer one. I could literally I do not know the first thing about it other than Elon Musk and a lot of celebrities push it. And that's enough for me to think that short term, it's probably going to run, um, just like any any penny stock or any any small cap, any even mid cap type of thing. Large cap probably too. Elon pushes Tesla like it's nobody's business. So I think I think those celebrities are all I need to know. I think I think bullish short term, long term. I do not have an educated
2: opinion. Yeah, exactly. And um, like I was saying, um, I, what I've noticed with these coins is even if there's heavy volume and uh, a lot of big names pumping this it still goes up compared to these penny stocks where sometimes say a fund might come in and short us or something like that or whatever whatever it might be these coins they just like buy it with them and like with mark cuban or whoever it might be and it just keeps going it keeps going it keeps going for days on end Mm -hmm. and i mean the crypto market's so different than stocks and it's really like uh It's really like a like a stock market in like 19 like 30 or something like that, like right after like the crisis. Like it was just like completely different. There's not really that many regulations. Um, You can short, but no one really shorts, especially a a meme meme coin like Dogecoin, because it just you never know. You could wake up and it could be (laughs) a dollar, and just it's ridiculous. I've seen 10,000 percent return. It's like OTC basically.
1: Yeah, you it's could just, wake up and Kim Jong-un could put his entire fortune into Dogecoin and it could be at fucking $100 each and we're all millionaires, you know? Yeah. Like, right. create, like, something absolutely nuts could happen. Who knows?
2: Right, and that's the thing. Everyone in the world can buy Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these coins too, so it's different than the stock market where only people with uh, American uh, uh, ability to uh, buy stocks can uh, buy stocks, you know? Um, it's literally everyone and you don't know who it is. It could be like you said, yeah. you John or whoever.
0: I think exactly. uh, part of the appeal to that, something like doge and like a lot of these other altcoins coins is like the price, like people look at it and like, Oh, this is super cheap. I can buy a lot of it. Like, especially newer, new people that, Oh, they, they think they're going to make thousands of like a quick thousand dollars or something. They see, Oh, this is super cheap. I can buy a shit ton of this. And I think that adds to like, yeah. like the volatility and the, so many people want, wanting to trade crypto. Um, but the funny thing about doges, I actually looked at this chart like a month ago, I think. Um, it had that run, that crazy run to like 75 cents, and then it was just downtrending uh, ever since. But we had a, on the 22nd of June, we had a, a what I'd like to call a, a high conviction pivot point where uh, we started an uptrend followed by a consecutive green candle the day before. And if you look at the chart it's bounce it that was about 16 cents and then that's where our bounce was that started this this latest run to i think we're at like 35 cents now um but it bounced off that exact level so uh i call that a boner
1: in my land true but uh
0: yeah doge long term i i couldn't like teddy and mitch said i i couldn't tell you what this will be um but when you have so many, so many people behind it, and celebrities, and Elon Musk, and all these people, um, I think this is something that, yeah, when it's cheap, throw throw a little bit of money into it if you if you can afford it, because um, it always seems to kind of bounce back. But that yeah. those are my thoughts on Doge. Um, all right, so the uh, the second thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Clove, following their um, earnings report. Uh, Mitch, do you have any like thoughts on Clove? Have you traded it at all? Did you see what their ER was?
2: So I don't have a lot of opinion on Clove, to be honest. Um it was uh it's obviously a SPAC or post spac and the chart's pretty decent. I'm looking at it right now and it's hovering right around that twenty SMA and what I've I mean, it's a very heavily shorted stock, so once it gets closer to ten dollars it tends to come back down to the eight dollar mark so like chart wise and this and that's what I try to gauge a lot of what I do not so much the earnings or the fundamentals chart wise it it's coming down to the point where I would be like okay maybe I'll buy some ten dollar calls for like mid-september or even late August or something like that and just hold on to those and swing those and once it pops again if it I mean if it does pop again, over like $9, then I would take profits and just do something like that. But other than that, I mean, I don't have it long-term. Uh, I'm just kind of um, uh, gauging uh, based on the chart. And I don't really know a whole lot about the numbers. Um, I, I know a lot of people are very bullish on it long-term. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming it's probably a pretty decent one But again, these SPAC ones, you never really know for sure after the uh, merger happens what is really going to happen. We've seen them all over the place. So, um, yeah. uh, The company itself, I'm not 100% sure, but the stock is definitely one that you could scalp. And there could be, I mean, it could also be one, it could be the next AMC or GameStop too, because it's heavily shorted. So, I mean, we could have another uh, huge run with these uh, um, uh, meme stocks. So, um, yeah, if that's the case, it could go $20, $30 again or something like that.
0: Yeah. I know. Yeah. Were, for me, one, go ahead Ant. just to throw something out there. I know their revenue was up like 140, 150%. Um, so I think that's pretty much the reason for that, that boost we saw, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I think for me, um, I have, I have mixed feelings on clove. I really love clove as in like the numbers and I really liked it this week. I I traded, I think, I think I had an average somewhere in like the high $7 and I swung it all the way to nine bucks, I think. But in this market, I took profit right then and there. But, um, the numbers were really, really good. They're indicating, I think somewhere around 1.5 billion in revenue this year, which puts them at a 2.0, um, market cap to revenue ratio, which I think is pretty low. I think they ought to be, um, ten dollars probably minimum i think i think that would probably put them at still undervalued fundamentally but also the market we're in and also the fact that it's a spac and a lot of um, old-time investors have negative opinions on spac and the fact that so much retail is in it makes me think ten dollars could be a good place for it to sit and it might not move much well from well from there but then also we saw amc and, and gamestop which like, like Mitch said, some crazy shit happened there with, with retail pushing it. So, I mean, we could see it. But I think $10 is probably where we sit. I think that's probably fair. It might take um, – the August market might not be the time for it to go to that $10. We could see it happen after September. But for me, right now, it's bullish long-term. I'm bullish as well because those numbers are fantastic. So, I'm going full bullish on it. But I don't think it's bullish to the point that everyone thinks it is. I don't. I don't know if we're going to see the – the fifteen dollars that everyone thinks it it belongs at and i don't know if we'll see the 20 close after that unless it squeezes which i mean you can't really predict a squeeze you can say a stock has a chance of a squeeze or a higher chance of a squeeze but it's impossible to predict it so i'm going to say bullish on both but it's not overly bullish
0: uh i'm gonna kind of play both sides here um looking at the chart, I think an important level to look at is the $7 and like 60 centish ish range. Um, I think if $8 dollars does not hold, that's the, that's what I personally am looking at, uh, where I would start to scale in. Um, like I said, though, if $8 doesn't hold, which is a, a psych level, um, I would look at around $7, 57 dollars and 60 cents. Um, so chart wise, like I'm bullish. If we get to that level, um, the reason I wouldn't be so bullish is because one, this is super overcrowded. Um, this is a, a big Twitter stock, um, so you you got to think there's a lot of people that are in this and that are in this at a higher average than we're currently sitting at. Um, but uh, I, Teddy actually put me on this a few weeks ago. Um, this is a big Wall Street bet stock, so and and it's heavily shorted, so that's another reason I would be bullish on it. Um, but you just, you just got to take these factors into consideration. Chart looks good, but at the same time it's very overcrowded. But Wall Street bets it's highly shorted, so I think this is one. I personally will look for under eight bucks, and that's probably where I'd start scaling again. Um, and and the other the other ones I want to talk about quick were, do you guys have any thoughts on like Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson with these booster shots coming out? I know COVID's heating up again. Uh, we talked about Moderna the other last week, and we saw a big drop on that. But do you guys have any uh, thoughts on these big names?
2: Um, so Pfizer, I try not to do a whole lot with because that's one that uh, historically, uh, other than I would say probably, let me let me look at the chart right now. Other than the last couple of weeks, it really doesn't do a whole lot. And obviously I say that now, but it. I mean, it's even, even the huge run up it's had, it's only been a $20 run up, which I mean, I guess that is- It's heavy as a hell. Per- a decent percentage, but it it's one that I think it stays in a range and it kind of just it does it when it goes it doesn't really go a whole lot when it goes down it doesn't go down a whole lot um and uh johnson johnson i think it's similar i do this is one i hold long term from five probably five six years ago or something like that um and i haven't really even paid a whole lot of attention to this one but i would say um out of This one versus Pfizer, I'd probably rather play Johnson & Johnson, just judging by the chart. It looks like it's just kind of starting out, breaking out of the 52-week high, Um, and I think there's a lot of room for it to possibly get towards. I mean, it's over 175. It could possibly get over 200, which it's another slow mover. Um, And uh, I mean, it could easily – it could get to 200, and that's all compared to um, Moderna, which I mean, Moderna has been ridiculous the last, I mean, basically since it's a IPO a couple of years ago, it's, I mean, it was under $100 uh, at this point last year. It was, I mean, like 60 or 70 bucks, something like that. And it hit $500. So that's, so that's one that um, I will play and I will scalp. Mm-hmm. I don't hold it long-term, but I'll play it and I'll scalp it. And I think that's kind of the theme with a lot of these uh, vaccine plays. It's hard uh, It's hard to, uh, I guess, play them and hold on to them um, uh, because a lot of them, they'll pop, they'll have some sort of run up, and then they'll just like have a huge drop. And um, with Moderna, it's been going up and it keeps going up. And I mean, it's at a crazy level right now. So I don't know if it's going to go a whole lot higher than what it's at right now. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I would not be surprised if it does continue. It's like a Tesla, too. You know, it just keeps going. People keep buying the dip on that one. So it could do anything. And that one, I'm – and that's kind of why I just keep scalping or day trading that one because I don't want to have the risk of having something up however much percent it is uh, since uh, last year. Um, I'll um, scalp it, and that's about it
1: yeah for me um moderna i think i'll say bullshit on i think it's a great trading vehicle i mean i've been scalping and shorting it over and over and over it's perfect just like mitch is saying perfect scalper perfect trading vehicle but i don't think it belongs up here i said that last week too i said i said it, what we see 450 and it, it consolidates and then we see 400 and then that happened. So 1 and 0 here. I'm going for 2 and 0. I think we see we see it hit like 420 again and then I think we we go right back beneath 400 and I think we downtrend a little bit longer to that maybe to 370, maybe 350. I don't know, somewhere in that range. But I think we we see a pop and then a drop again because it moves so much just like you were saying Pfizer I am bullish for the short term, the next two weeks, just because Pfizer takes so damn long to make any decisions on what way to move it, dude, that stock I played for like, uh, what time, when was that back when COVID hit, I played it for like three weeks and it moved. Like, I think I got like the highest percentage I could get was like plus 2% out of the entire thing. And it, yeah, it just, it just stayed in the same zone over and over and over like midway through, like probably like six months after COVID hit. But anyway, Pfizer, I think it has momentum right now. I think the momentum carries over. We see 50 bucks, maybe 52 bucks, maybe 55 bucks. But then I think it's going to long term. I think it returns downwards to where it belongs in the, the low 40s. Um, and then Johnson & Johnson, I think, has the most potential here. I'm bullish on it. Short term and long term. Long term, I just like the company as a whole. I think it's a pretty good company. And short term, just like Mitch was saying, it's actually on my watch list. I think I'll probably take a swing in it here soon. It's just breaking out. And it has the room that Moderna and Pfizer, they have ran. I think it has the room to do a similar type of run because Pfizer's float is higher than Johnson & Johnson. So I think Johnson & Johnson can move. Um, and can get on its horse we just need it to to get chosen by a country because i think that's what happened with pfizer and moderna they got chosen by a company to buy a certain amount of doses of the vaccine or blah blah, blah the booster everyone's going to get it once a year that kind of thing whatever's happening um with moderna and pfizer i think johnson and johnson needs to just come out with some type of news or something which i think they will because i mean theirs is Theirs is the dose that's only one dose instead of two which is pretty desirable for a lot of people so i think that johnson and johnson probably has the best chance to break out um, here within the next few weeks to a month
0: yeah i don't want to add a whole lot to what you guys mentioned um i think short term for me personally if these with these boosters um I'm, I'm, I'm bullish like short term with all these so I'm headed into the fall but long term uh, these these need a, a healthy pullback, I think. Besides Johnson and Johnson, uh, Moderna specifically, um, the range I'd be looking at is like three seventy five. If that doesn't hold, I'd be looking at like three forty. I think uh, we saw this after that big drop that we talked about. It bounced right off um our demand zone around like three hundred and seventy five, three hundred seventy six bucks. Um, but yeah, short term I'm bullish. Long term, uh, I'm calling bullshit. I think these need to these need to come back a little bit.
1: Yeah, sounds good. All right, so Mitch, we're at the fun part of the episode—the um, best part, as some of our guests say, and the worst part, as some of our other guests say. So, lifestyle. So, I see you have a pretty fucking dope car, and I want to hear about it.
2: So, okay, so, so first of all, um, uh, my my uh, avatar is the uh, the green Lambo,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: I actually do not have a green Lambo. So that's one thing right there. Uh, I've, I'll, uh, go to Vegas and I'll rent it sometimes. But the thing is, I was, uh, I was about to buy one a couple years ago and it did not seem like it was a good investment for me to do. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. So I, um, every once in a while I'll rent one out that's very similar and I'll be like, yeah, this is kind of cool, but uh, it's, it's not, like the gas mileage, all that fun stuff is not. Uh, it, it's the maintenance, all that. It did not really uh, work How out. How fast so, does
1: that motherfucker go when you rent it out? Have you it ever goes like
2: two hundred plus for sure? <laughs> it, the zero to the sixty is insane. But what okay. I have, what I'm driving now is um, in Miami. I have a, um, a Mercedes-Benz uh, S63 AMG, and it's so it's a convertible um, uh, four seater and. Red interior uh, and it's white. It's very nice. It drives That's sweet. 600 horsepower. It's very smooth. It drives very nice. I've never had a Mercedes Benz before. And I will say, I, I, I love it. I fucking love it. It's, it's it, I mean, the gas mileage on that is really shitty too. It's like 12 miles a gallon or 10 <laughs> to 12 miles a gallon, whatever it might be uh, um, compared to the, uh, the Lambo. But it's a lot cheaper and it's more, I can drive it more every day versus the lambo which is like you got to watch potholes all that fun stuff because it's so low to the ground yeah Um, so uh yeah so with that one i um i've had that for a little bit now and uh it i mean it's crazy the the um we mentioned lots earlier with like used cars used cars are not going down in value at all so it's almost like i've like made money since i have bought my car which is yeah. crazy it's kind yeah. of ridiculous this just the used car market is so insane right now so maybe in a couple of years um once i get so right now i've got a condo so once i get a house maybe i'll get the lambo just so i can like mess around with it or whatever and Green have more lambo. Room. you got to match that profile pick. right right <laughs> i know and I've had that profile pic for a while too. And I think I forgot who it was that um, told me to put that. And because I didn't know what to put. And I know, and here's another funny story. So my name, it used to be something really stupid. Uh, I changed it to Mitch picks uh, a couple of years ago and it was actually uh, ultra that um, uh, recommended it. So I'm like, okay, it's uh, interesting, but it's better than what I forgot what it was. Just a normal Twitter name. So one of those like random
1: generated ones or
2: something. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's Super hilarious. Bad. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting story. But no, I do not have uh, the green Lambo. And maybe someday Um, I, I don't have any desire at the moment, though, to uh um, buy it for the time being. If I if I want that kind of thrill, I can take my car out and go about the same speed. I can I can go 175, 200 in my car. Uh, cause it's got 600 horsepower, so it can really, uh, can really jet. But, that's sweet. But yeah, I mean, down in Miami, I can really rent any car I want, so it's just kind of nice. Um, but I, I tend to not do that, cause it's kind of a waste of money too. So yeah, um, I'll spend that uh, elsewhere.
0: I feel like that Mercedes is more practical, like you said, like it's four seater. You got the convertible. Um, that's personally what I would roll with. Um, red and Take the ladies out. Yes. Yeah especially yeah, in Miami having that convertible. Yeah.
1: Probably get whistled at by the ladies on the road. It's usually vice versa. All right. So traveling, man, I see, I see you all over the world. I see you posting about being in crazy places. Like where are some of the coolest places you've been? And like, what do you, what do you kind of recommend when people go there or, or just tell us
2: about it? So, um, so actually recently um, my girlfriend and I went to um, Turkey uh, so we went to, uh, we flew into Istanbul and that I would say, so I've never been to Europe or Asia. So Istanbul is the only country that's in two countries, it's in both of those countries. And another thing I didn't know about it, it's the biggest city in Europe. So uh, that was the most interesting place I probably have ever been just because of the culture. It's completely different than anything in the US. Um, I mean, they have the, the, um, the call to prayer every like four hours. Um, so there's like the, the loudspeaker there's the mosques and everything. Uh, the, the history is insane in that city. Um, it's so, it's so populated. There's so much to do. Um, I would say, so I would say Istanbul is the most interesting place I've been, uh, probably ever to be honest. Uh, and I've traveled a few places the last like, couple of months, but, um, I would say that's probably the, my favorite place that I've, uh favorite country that i've been there's so much to do in turkey and no one's ever heard or talked about really going to turkey They have good food there um it's a lot of like kebabs and that kind of stuff it's it's pretty good it it,
1: that's pretty good yeah yeah it is it is it is good it
2: gets old after a little bit i'm a huge uh I, i like i like my hot dog and they have their like turkish hot dog which is like uh uh it's a little uh like on on the corner of the street it's a little sketchy but it's really good it's really really good it doesn't come with ketchup it's got its own like uh like sauce in it already um so it's kind of interesting but it's it's still pretty good but it's mostly like that kind of
1: that sounds awesome i've always wanted to head over to europe and just kind of galvan around those countries do some like some tasting of their food just check out the the landscape and stuff because i've i haven't been around a whole lot i've been out of the country a few times but nowhere like like europe or turkey so that sounds awesome
2: yeah and it, it's uh it's crazy for uh because you and i are both from the midwest and a lot of us don't really get out that much from uh, the midwest so to yeah. really see that kind of stuff was a huge eye-opener to me um and uh just see really a completely different culture it was it was it was amazing
1: the midwest is is very very full of people who like the midwest and stay here like they don't they don't like to go anywhere they like to just stay in the midwest or travel to like colorado and that's about Mm -hmm. that's about where they go that kind of thing um yeah but but i want to get out there i want to get out to europe and stuff that's
0: how it is where i'm from like everybody like wants to leave and they'll they'll maybe leave for a year and but everyone always ends up back here it's kind of like yeah. a, it's kind of like a trap almost but um yeah. teddy real quick i had a question did you uh were you close to the field of dreams game
1: yeah that's was that close it, to you yeah it is yeah that's that's like i think i had some people that i knew going to that i can drive there it's like it's like i, I don't know how far it is 45 minutes maybe but but yeah, it's like right around. And that's so, what all of Iowa looks like. So what you guys saw there, it's literally just all cornfields. It's <laughs> too. Yeah. That was Wisconsin's kind of pretty though. It's kind of like way more hilly than Iowa. Iowa is like flat as a fucking rod, man. Like it is like really really flat. But we want to hop into the the Q&A. We do one serious, one stock related, um which is the serious one and then we hop into one one kind of fun one. But before this, we had a really, really funny question last week that I think I just have to ask you, just, just for shits and gigs. How long do you think you could last in a boxing ring against a blind, prime Mike Tyson?
2: Wow, that's, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um, Personally,
1: I said 20 seconds, because I think he would just be winging hooks and one of them would just hit me.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. That'd be like, uh, cause he, I mean, he, he, hits pretty fast and hard and even me running, running away from him. <laughs> I don't know if I could last 20 seconds. He'd still track that, you, down, yeah. yeah. He's yeah, got he, those, he, those instincts. Yeah, he, yeah. He's still, yeah. He's got those in, instincts still. So he <laughs> knows like where you're at at all times and you gotta be like quiet, but you gotta be quick at the same time. I mean, I think 20 seconds is, uh, I I'd say 15 maybe. Cause I mean, I'm not as quick as, uh, some of these guys out there and, uh, I, it, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be interesting
1: yeah okay well i just wanted that was dude that still cracks me up to think about it, kind of but our first question for you um and we'll all kind of answer it is what's your most confident position at the time that you are swinging
2: that's a good question um so i would say so it's got to be like i was saying earlier uh Options. So I, most of my options, large caps. Um, I I still really like. Um, I think it's like mid September. Uh, APT calls and basically with that one, my game plan is uh, once it gets to um, once it gets back, hovers towards the 200 SMA, then I um, start selling some off. And, um, and then it had a huge uh, dip like, uh, like two weeks ago or whatever. And then that's when I started rebuying it again, uh, right at like the 20 and the 50 SMA. So I would say Beautiful. just because it's really around support and um, with uh, the mask mandates coming back slowly but surely um, with everything, um, I think that um, that one... I think that one, and I should probably get a larger position too, because I am very confident about it. I don't have a large position yet on it, but, uh, and that's an option. So um, I don't really take a huge position in options and it's August. So um, that's another, uh, uh, some red flags there. But if mask mandates come back, that'll be a really hot stock that will really be good. And it's at support right now. So the risk is really low compared to if biden says something about masks being required in certain spots or whatever um it usually has a nice little pop and uh possibly a run-up or something too um, yeah i also don't know uh, when earnings are so that's another thing that is uh kind of a something to look into yeah
1: no i mean that sounds great i think i think i'm probably gonna swing apc here soon i've been looking at i've been watching it for a few weeks scalping it and stuff like i said but i haven't taken a swing in it yet but I mean, you you kind of convinced me. Um, yeah. For me, it's Penn. Um, it's which is Barstool. Um, they're just NFL is coming back. That chart is primed all the way to fucking the I don't even know primed to the max. It's primed to the max. NFL is coming back. NFL is the money maker. They have Dave Portnoy, who he can say some really stupid stuff, but he can also push that stock like it is like he is Elon Musk pushing pushing Tesla. So I mean, I like Penn here. And what are you thinking?
0: Uh, I have two that I'm like pretty confident in. Um, one for me is DraftKings for the like footballs coming back, basketball starts early again this year. I think those are two big time catalysts for DraftKings. Um, so I like DraftKings a lot. Um, and like I I mentioned earlier, I really like Lots. I have just a starter in Lots because I need to see confirmation of a reversal before yeah. I before I scale in anymore. But I just I think LOTS is extremely undervalued. Um it's very heavily shorted. So DraftKings and LOTS I'm super confident in. But yeah. like I, I said, I wait for for a reversal. Don't just go all in. You don't want to catch a knife or you don't want to try to time a uptrend.
1: So Yeah. Mitch, what do you have to say about that?
2: Yeah. I was going to say uh DraftKings is one that I'm watching really closely as well. Kind of like what you were saying with Penn. That's another big one for the NFL. Um and I think they're going to continue to get a bunch of exposure. And it's right at the 200, 200 SMA right now. Um, yeah. So I think uh, that'll be a really good one for uh, – you can probably even just outright hold the stock. And by the end of the NFL season, you might see 60 dollar. $70 plus. Dollar. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe they'll test that all-time high again uh, in the 70s.
1: Yeah, so. and I mean with, with DraftKings buying out Golden Nugget, that's pretty big too because Golden Nugget was kind of – the side of business that they didn't have they didn't have an online casino they had the betting and stuff but now now they're gonna have an online casino as well so that's that's just big um our question two which is our kind of fun just lighthearted question and i have an immense kind of just opinion that i'm gonna throw out right after this a kid's movie that scarred you and scared you and made you have nightmares and I have two of them night of the living dummy by goosebumps I don't know why Nickelodeon played that on a channel that I could get a hold of as a six-year-old because I don't think I slept for like two months after that um that was absolutely and utterly terrifying as a six or seven-year-old however old I was my mom had conferences I can remember it clear as day my mom was a teacher she had conferences my dad had conferences because he was a superintendent or principal, and that was on. And I watched that alone in my dark basement all by myself, and I have never recovered, I don't think. And then the second one was Beetlejuice. And if you've ever seen Beetlejuice, you know exactly why that is terrifying. And that's all I have to say about that. I'm, dude, those are horrible movies for children. <laughs> Fucking terrifying.
2: Yeah. So, so mine, mine that I was thinking of, um, so it's not. So I, I actually watched it a couple of years ago, so it's not like a kids movie, but it really like gets to me still. Um, and my girlfriend laughs at me because she's a scuba diver. Um, but it's called Forty Seven Meters Under, or oh, Forty Seven. I've seen that. Deep. Yeah. And your it, girlfriend's a one... scuba diver. I have to interrupt you. Your
1: girlfriend's a scuba diver. Yeah. Does she yeah. go like deep sea diving and cave diving? Um. Yeah. Yeah. She oh does. my so, gosh, dude! I went down the biggest rabbit hole in youtube like dude i, I don't know how long thing. ago on this and that is the scariest thing i've ever seen in my entire life as an adult i yeah. am an adult i'm a 22 year old man and that is terrifying she literally does that does that not yeah. does that scare the shit out of you that she does that
2: yeah and uh so i told her i told her that Holy i would shit. uh try once um at least to see how it how i would like it i'd get uh, certified all that fun stuff and uh that that uh so so you sound like you're you're you've you've we're, we're similar uh it sounds like we're similar um when it comes to that because this movie really uh uh i i would i, I want to say i'd recommend it but i wouldn't because it's like your anxiety is like so high the entire time it's just i'm gonna watch people, it tonight oh now oh god to. it's it's just uh it it makes me feel like the worst thing you can do is drown to death and this one makes it yeah, with sharks around and you're stuck in a cage and it's just this oh it's I don't know. Uh and you said you watched it before so you kinda yeah. understand and there's like three of them I think too. There's like a sequel, there's like a third one coming out. It's uh I don't know. I don't know. People must like it, but I watched it one time, it was maybe four or five years ago, whatever. Yeah. And it just haunts me like every like every single time I think of like jumping in the water, I think of that and it's just it's scary it's i can't believe your girlfriend's a scuba diver man
1: like i watched i'm not kidding you i think i didn't go to sleep a full night because i was watching youtube videos that your girlfriend does that cave diving stuff and holy like dude oh my gosh where they like kick up the sand and they can't see anything and then they're like stuck in a cave and they can't see anything and then they get stuck and then they fall out run out of air and oh that is that's- like the worst <laughs> I
2: possible think that's- thing I think that's one of, the, uh, one of the sequels of that 47 meters deep. Oh, I think that's oh, one of the sequels is they're, they're stuck in a cave or something like that. And it's just, oh, it's just the worst possible feeling ever. And it
1: gets you jitters going.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wait,
0: yeah, no, a couple of things. One, I've seen that movie with the sharks and it's terrifying because I'm super like claustrophobic and I'm afraid of like the ocean. Not like afraid of like going out in the waves, but like being trapped in the middle of the ocean. Like that movie, like they're trapped at the bottom in a cage, and then like it gets dark, and there's sharks swimming around. Like no, thank you. Damn. That yeah, that movie's actually pretty scary. Um, this I I fell into that rabbit hole too the other day. Did you get Did you get into the section of where they're like climb like they're climbing rock cave climbing or whatever? Not underwater. They're just Is in it like putty one. I, it was like the hellhole or something. Do you ever see that dude, one? Dude, I've
1: seen I've seen too many, but I saw the putty one where he was stuck there for so long and his body's still there because they can't get him out.
0: Yeah, dude, they're like into Ugh. these. They have to like crawl around. Like I'm super claustrophobic, so it like makes me feel weird. Um, but the, the the movie that scarred me, it's I think it's called Don't Look Under the Bed. It's like a Disney movie. Have you ever seen it? It's it's like the Boogeyman, but these kids get trapped in like this. They go under the bed and they get trapped in this into this like i don't know world where there's this like demon like chasing them that's that's but it's like it was on disney and it's like actually scary and i saw that that, dude like
1: that's what they did to me on nickelodeon they put night of the living dummy and then all of a sudden this dummy is like terrorizing these children when their parents aren't home and my parents aren't home and i got terrorized via the the movie or whatever yeah
0: that and like the halloween town when i was (laughs) young (laughs) those used to scare me a lot but that that would be my choice
1: Okay, so the last thing we do on this is we do the the conspiracy where I just kind of pitch a conspiracy to you guys. And then you determine you kind of give me your thoughts quickly about whether you think it's real or you think it's kind of of bogus. So the one we have today is that the space exploration that has been taking place by Bezos and Musk and those companies that are doing it is not for fun and is not for um, like consumers to do that in the future. It's to prepare for the world to die and those billionaires to be like versed in going to space. Um, and basically, people just think that the billionaires are um, getting ready to have to leave the earth for real and to have to live in space or if they can find another planet to live on another planet. But they just want to get used to being in space and being in a lift and a uh, a launch. So For me, um, it's definitely viable. It's kind of dark and it's definitely could be real. I don't know if it's real right now because I still feel like we have quite a bit of time on the earth, but maybe they're like, they're testing the waters. Like this could be something where like 150 years from now, they look back and they say, that was definitely Jeff Bezos planning to have a plane for his grandkids when the, the earth dies and he just wanted to start it. But I don't think it's, I don't know if it's like at the forefront of their mind. Their mind right now for me is probably just like, I want to go to space. That would be cool. And so they go to space. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah. um, I think right now, uh, Bezos, Musk, um, those guys, I think it's more of like a competition. Like they're kind of trying to see who can get there first, who can be more successful because they got unlimited money. They can do whatever the hell they want. And I think I'm pretty sure they hate each other too. So I think it, and well, and Branson's in there too, obviously with his, uh, his company, but uh, I think between those three, I think they got unlimited money. Uh, they hate each other. And I think they're kind of trying to mark their name as the, the, the first one to um, uh, take, take people to space and like live out in Mars or wherever the hell it might be. Um, when it comes to the climate change thing and preparing for all that, that's actually really interesting. I've never really heard a whole lot about that, but that could possibly be in the back of their mind where they started, maybe they, they got the motivation to start doing something because they're like, oh, my grand grandkids will have the opportunity to go and live there uh, with yeah. like 10,000 other people or something like that um, if we're able to do this right now um, and get everything off the ground right now. Um, so that could possibly be. I don't, I don't really know for sure, but I think right now they just all hate each other and they're just uh, out to <laughs> Prove, prove that they're better than the other person because they, they all have unlimited money, basically. Literally, yeah.
0: I, game. I don't know if it's so much for, like, climate change because I think that's, like, we're far away from that. I mean, I think it is happening, but um, I think maybe it's more for, like, the experience. I think it is a competition, like Mitch said, but I think maybe it's just, like, I don't know. I kind of want to experience something, and I have billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it is part competition they they want to be able to say oh I was the first one to go to space but uh, <clears throat> I don't know I think maybe it'd be more for the experience like they have all the money in the world I think at this point in their lives they're like I want to experience a little bit of everything and I have the money to do it I mean at least that's how I would be thinking about life at that point when when I don't have to worry about money I'd I'd be like oh man I want to experience everything I possibly can so to like me, they've
1: flown everywhere on the earth, so they're like, fuck it, I'm gonna go off the earth exactly. kind of thing. I mean
0: yeah. when you're when you're that rich, it's like they want to push like the extremes of what they can do. Um and they all have the capability to do that. So from from my perspective I would be thinking, Oh well, I think they just wanna kinda experience that. So it's kind of my yeah. thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with both you guys. I think it's just, it's probably a part competition. Like Bezos is like, fuck Musk. I'm going to be richer and go to the moon first. And Musk is like, but I'm Elon. I'm the crazy man who's going to go to the moon or whatever. Like they just, they just probably want to, to beat everyone. And then they also are just like, yeah, I want to fly somewhere new, but yeah. It could. They could be thinking a little bit. They could be thinking tiny bit. Like I just want to see what this is like in case something crazy happens. Um, that kind of thing. But I mean, I guess we'll never know because we're not Elon Musk or or Bezos. But I think that's gonna wrap us up. And we want to. We want to thank you immensely, Mitch, for uh, for coming on. And we definitely want you on in the future. We want you to come back for season two or season three whenever you're free. Talk something a little deeper. Talk something a little. Um, more experienced for when the traders that listen to this graduate to that next level as we graduate to season two. But thank you very much for coming on and and, uh, giving us everything that you, that you spoke about.
2: Yeah, definitely. And thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Like I said, this is my first uh, uh, interview anywhere. So no one's ever heard my voice or anything like that at all, other than tweets. So uh, I hope to do this more in the future. And um, I had a great time. This was fun. Um, I had a few beers on the way uh, in, and uh, it's a great time. I'm glad to come back anytime. Uh, just uh, let me know, and uh, we can make something. Uh, make something work, and go yeah. Bucks. <laughs> go Bucks, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, like Teddy mentioned, like we're super appreciative that one. You've never been on a podcast, and two, you're you were willing to do this as like your first one ever. So, we're um, super super appreciative for for you coming on and and sharing some tips and and tricks for everybody but uh yeah it was a great time and we really hope to, to have you on again in the future and that's all i got
1: yeah peace out everybody you talk about like he's decent moving he know what you doing but you need love
0: how far can you get, girl? You know I've been in love
2: with you since the beginning, girl been Talking out of tone to me, gotta be kidding, girl Need you all alone with me, gotta be convenient.